Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. But we've been in the series, we're in week three, I think, or week four. We've got one more week to go. Uh, we've been preaching on faith. How many people want to be stirred and motivated to live that life of faith? Is there any faith people in the house today? This has been the passage we've looked at. Paul is writing to the Romans. He wrote to the Hebrews, he wrote to the Romans about Abram. And he wrote about Abraham because he is the father of our faith. Now, despite... Uh, popular request. We won't be singing the song, Father Abraham had many sons today. I apologize for that, but you can find that on Spotify and dance in your car on the way home. Uh, but Paul's writing to the Romans in Romans chapter 4, verse 13. He says, for the promise to Abram, Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world. That's a pretty great promise. Did not come through the law, but it came through the righteousness of Faith. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be granted to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. That was written to the Gentiles. We are Gentiles, unless you're like my wife and her sister, part Jewish, and, and my niece and, and my grandson. Anyway, and so um, we, are, we are Gentiles. So Paul's writing to us that we are, he is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed he gives life to the dead and calls into existence those things that do not exist. We've been focusing around this faith promise. He calls life to the dead. If there are dead things in your life that you're saying, God, I need you to resurrect. Maybe it's a dead dream. Maybe it's a dead promise. Maybe it's a dead relationship. Maybe it's a, it's a, a dead call. Or maybe your business is struggling, but God promised something. And you, you say, God, I need your resurrection power in my life. Is there anybody that needs God to do a resurrection in your life? Speak life and bring it from the dead. Call those things that do not exist and call them as they are and bring them into reality. I don't know about you, but I have some dreams that I can see in the spirit that aren't in our reality today. And I'm calling those things that are not as though they are. And we are people of faith. We are saved by grace through faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And we are the people of God, the righteousness of God who live by faith. So we're in the series where faith lives and faith lives in us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the men and women that came out to church this morning. We thank you that they're hungry. We thank you that they're alive. We thank you that they're vibrant. We thank you that they're engaged. We've come today, God, because we want you to stir our faith. We want to be men and women that live pleasing you. And your word declares without faith, it's impossible to please you. God, we want to be people of faith. So stir our heart today. Let me speak prophetically to the people that are here today. Let them have ears to hear, Holy Spirit, what you would say to them collectively and individually in Jesus' name. And everyone said, 
There was a young boy sitting on an airplane and uh, reading a Bible. And he was in the book of Exodus. And then he yells out this loud, woohoo! Just, you know, his loud scream, loud, loud excitement. The gentleman beside him sees he's reading a Bible and says, what are you so excited about? And he says, well, I just see where God had created that, that God's people could cross the Red Sea, open, split the Red Sea open, and they walked over on dry ground. And it's just a miracle. And the older gentleman said, well, son, don't get too excited. It wasn't that much of a miracle. It was the Reed Sea, not the Red Sea, and it was only about three inches of water. And so the young boy just went back to reading the Bible. And then he's like, woohoo, awesome! And the old man says to him, what, what are you so excited about? He goes, God just drowned thousands of Egyptians in three inches of water. <laughs> I want to encourage you, don't let anybody dampen your faith. There's always the doubter. There's always the critic. There's always the negative. There's always the person around you. You don't have to go too far to have somebody tell you you're not going to do it. You don't have to go too far to have somebody tell you you're not that great. You're not that amazing. God doesn't love you that much. You have somebody in your world right now that's going to want, just like busting for the opportunity to remind you that, that maybe what you're dreaming for or believing for is too big. And you should shrink your vision down, shrink your expectation down to the size of their faith. I'm here to tell you today that without faith, it's impossible to please God. We need to be men and women of faith. Dare to dream big dreams. You say, well, what happens if I die and my big dream is not fulfilled? Then die in faith. Hebrews chapter 11 says a whole heap of people died in faith. They got commended by God for having faith and they didn't see their dream fulfilled, but they died believing. He, it, die believing it, it's going to happen and it doesn't or live and it happens. Both are a win. Both are a win. And we need to be committed to allowing God to do in our life what God wants to do. And so here he is inspiring the Romans and the Hebrews. He says uh, in verse 17, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Life to the dead. We've been talking about Abraham and we've been talking about where faith lives. We talked... First week, we talked about faith lives in a go. Abraham, or Abram, was 75 years old when God spoke to him the first time and said, go. I want to tell you, 75-year-olds, get stirred up in your faith. 75, 76, get stirred up in your faith. Some of you are 50 and you quit already. Some of you are 50 and you're already complaining, oh, I'm getting old. No, you're getting young. You're eternal. You're eternal. You're eternal being. Look in the mirror and say, I am a young man. I am a young woman. I've got eternity to live. This is just a warm-up. We're doing laps right now. So God speaks to a 75-year-old man and says, get out of your father's house. Probably a good advice because when he got married to Sarah, maybe Sarah would have said that. Hey, Abraham, I think it's time for you to get out of your father's house. 
Go, take a step of faith. Get into the area where it is not comfortable. Faith lives in a go. Faith lives in action. Faith lives in in a step. Faith lives in a commitment. We are people of faith. It's a lifestyle. Faith is not a one-off event. You've got to create the momentum and the, the rhythm of faith in your life if you're going to see God move in a powerful way. Faith lives in a look. Abram was 80 years old when God spoke to him a second time and said, look, Genesis chapter 13, Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look. Despite Abram facing a difficult challenge, he ends up with a parcel of land that's not irrigated, not developed, barren. And God says, when you look at that, that looks like nothing. I want you to look to the north and to the south and to the east and to the west. And I want you to see abundance. I want you to see fruit. I want you to see vegetation. I want you to see irrigation. I want you to see people in multiples. I want you to look at nothing and see it as something. That's what faith is. It looks into the invisible and sees it as already existing. It already exists. In my mind, this auditorium is already full multiple times on a weekend. The chapel is full multiple times on a weekend. You're going to say, well, we're looking around. There's those seats over there that are empty. They're empty to you, but they are full to me with people making decisions. You just got to get there in faith and see things that don't exist as they are. Get a dream. Get a vision. Get a prophetic word. It's the language of God. A lot of people just think the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about speaking in tongues. That's a small portion of the baptism of the Holy Spirit fills you with the power of God to dream. The baptism of the Holy Spirit will give you the power to have a vision. The baptism of the Holy Spirit will give you to have the ability to think about things beyond your dream. You can, you can, there are things out there that haven't even entered your mind. Ephesians chapter 3 says God is doing exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything that we could hope or think or dare to imagine. Once you can imagine it, God is beyond it. See what faith does. Faith lives like this. Faith lives like, man, I got to bring my vision into the reality. Why? So I can bring my dream into my vision. And I need to bring my dream into my vision so I can reach out. God has got things stored out here for us that we haven't been able to wrap our little minds around yet. So we get in faith and we believe God hasn't finished with me yet. God's still got things to do in my life right now. God can use me. It doesn't matter what anybody, doesn't matter what your teacher told you, doesn't matter what your your work comrade told you, your, your, your friend anywhere, your parents, doesn't matter what somebody told you. It's what God says about you that matters. How many people in the house are glad that it's what God says? The eye of faith looks at things and calls them done, completed, already done. Faith is the fuel of our expectation. We talked about faith lives in account. Abram is 85 years of age when God speaks to him the third time and says, count. Genesis chapter 15, verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Remember, he was thinking that his butler would be the person who inherited because at this point, he's got no children. God's promised him children. He's got no children. He's trying to work it out in his natural mind. This man shall not be your heir. But your very own son shall be 
your heir. So God is calling something that does not exist as though it does. For all of you that are struggling, I don't know about that calling it doesn't. God's do, God. Everyone say God. God. Say God. God. God says your heir, your son. He, he, this guy that you can see in the natural and that you're putting your faith in in the natural, eh, he's not going to be your heir. Your, your very own son shall be your heir. And he is a long way off from getting a, his own son. But God calls what is not as though it is. He brought him outside and said to him, look toward the heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. You think about what God was doing there and our perspective. Abram looks up and starts counting the stars. But we know there are stars out there that he couldn't see with his natural eye. So God says, I want you to count. If you can, you can't, but count what you can see with your natural eye. But God knows there are things beyond what he can see with his natural eye that God has out there that are existing, are in the count. That's how big the bigness of God is. And so last week we talked about counting our blessings. And, and looking at our life and trying to look back, the, the step of faith comes on looking how faithful God has been in the past. And I want to encourage you, look back at what God has done. Think about all the things that God has done and say, God, you did it back then. I know you can do it again. God, you blessed me back here. I know you can do it again. You healed me back here. I know you can heal me right now. It's no, no difference from healing me from that as it is from healing me from this. And God, I, I'm going to count my blessings. You are a God who rewards us. You are a God that blesses us. And God, the blessings in my life far outweigh the challenges in my life. Faith lives in confidence. Abram is 99 years old. Nearly a quarter of a century has passed since his promise. And in the natural, it looks more impossible today than it ever had done in the history of his life. Genesis chapter 17 when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me. Be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and multiply you greatly. God has been silent for 14 years. God's not spoken to him for over a decade and he's been waiting 25 years for a promise that hasn't manifested. And God's still speaking to him about multiplying him greatly. He has thought it was Eliezer. He's tried to do it in his own strength and created an Ishmael. And he's done all these things trying to work out how God is going to do it and make it happen. And, and God's like, yeah, none of that is that. I've got something for you better than all of that. I, my, my original promise is still standing, even though you've tried to make it happen in your own strength. And even though the promise hadn't happened for 25 years and God had been silent for 14 years, Paul said he did not weaken in faith. That's Abraham. When he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. So looking at his own body, he's like, I'm really old right now. 
And then he takes a look at Sarah. He's like, she looks really old as well. But the Bible says he didn't weaken in faith. God said, you're going to have a baby. She's going to have a baby. And, and, and he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. Is there anybody in the house today that you say, I am fully convinced that God is well able to do what God promised he would do? Why don't you let him know right now and give him a... Don't throw away your confidence. You may have been waiting, just keep waiting. You may have been praying, keep praying. Trusting, keep trusting. Calling into existence, keep speaking to that thing. Keep naming it and believing God is going to do great things. Faith lives in a declaration. Abram is called Abram, A-B-R-A-M. And then he gets a name change. Genesis chapter 17, verse 3 to 5. Then Abram fell on his face. And God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. This is God's promise to him. God changed his name. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means the father of many Nations, or the father of a multitude. He said, you've been saying, I'm a father, I'm Abram, and you have. You, you have a son, you, you have an Ishmael, but that's, but, but that's not who you are. I, I want to change your name. Why does God change our name? George, God changes our name to change our confession. He changes our name to change what we say about ourselves. Every time he calls himself Abraham, he's saying, I am the father of a multitude of nations. Every time somebody comes up and says, hey, Abraham, they're saying, hey, father of a multitude of nations. They used to call him dad. Now they're calling him a dad of a multitude of nations. He changed his confession, what was coming out of his mouth. My birth name was Kerry John. That's my official, somebody laughed, which is why I changed my name. There were three people in my grade when I was 10 years of age, three of us called Kerry, K-E-R-R-Y, and only one of us was a dude. So when I was 11, I said to my mum, I am not going to go by the name Kerry anymore. I'm going to go by my middle name. I shall be called John. And so I changed my name to John and not really realizing that I changed my confession. God is gracious is what John means. God is gracious. And so from 11 years of age, every time someone calls me John, they're saying God is gracious. What's your name, John? God is gracious. And I got to be honest with you, I probably shouldn't be here today, but God was gracious. Kerry means black hair. And the older I get, the more tempted I've got to change my name back to Kerry. God often changes a name to change a destiny, change a confession, 
to change destinies because there is power in our words. Proverbs 12, 14, for the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good. Proverbs 12, 18, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15, 4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 15, 23, a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it eat its fruit. Therefore, I tell you, Mark eleven twenty four. whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it and it will be yours. Your mouth has power. Your words are creative. Now, I know that there was an abuse of this confession thing back in the 90s, 80s, 90s. But I'm here to tell you, just because somebody abuses it or takes it too far doesn't mean that the principle doesn't exist. If you can't see confession in the Bible, you've got to be blind in one eye and closing the next one when you're reading the Bible. Because the Bible is over and over again speaking about the power of our words. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And whatever one of those things you love, words of life or words of death, you're going to eat the fruit of your words. Your words have power. Jesus said, I want you to speak what? To the mountain, not think about the mountain, not dance around the mountain, not take photos of the mountain. What did he say he wants us to do? Well, he wants us to what? Speak to the mountain and tell the mountain, get out of my way. Jesus did not encourage us to describe the mountain. Well, it's a big mountain. How big do you think that mountain is? Oh, at least 3,000 feet is a really, really big mountain. That's what some people do. They speak about it. And they're experts at speaking, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. You see that? That's, that's from a volcano 2,000 years ago. came down there. You can see the, the lava where it's all a thing. The tree. They can describe the, 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 the types of trees that are there. They can talk about the birds that are in the trees. Look at that tree there. It's got 55 birds. I believe that's a pigeon. That's a duck. I have no idea how that duck got up there. But it's there. In John's imagination. So Jesus didn't say speak about it. He said speak to it. He didn't say speak about your fear or speak about your... He said speak to. Some of you have got to get your confession back. You've got to get your words back in, in line. You, you, you've got to get faith back in your conversation. You have, to, you have to eliminate the devils of if. If you were this, if you were that, if you did this, if this person did that, if that happened, if, if, if. He, the devil is the devil of ifs. He took Jesus into the wilderness and he said if, if, if. And Jesus spoke back and said, no, I'm not taking your if this is what the word of God declares we've got to declare what God declares we're going to say it over and over and over again the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 that Jesus is the apostle and he is the high priest of our confession that word confession there is the word homologia it means to say in the same as and God's saying I want you to line your confession up with what my word says and speak I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me I am the head and not the tail I am above and not beneath greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world you gotta stir yourself up with the word of God and speak it out into... Because here's what the devil's been telling you. The devil's been telling you all sorts of things. And so you look in the mirror, and you may not say this out loud. Some of you may have. But it goes over in your mind. I, I'm hopeless. 
I'm useless. I'm this, I, I am that. I'm here to tell you today, some of you got to change what you've been saying about yourself. you got to go from Abram to Abraham. Instead of just existing and who you are, you got to be who God's called you to be. If God's called you to be in ministry, say, I'm going to be in ministry. I'm going to preach the Word of God. I'm going to be a man of God. I'm going to be a woman of God. If, if you've been forgiven, if you've been forgiven of some crisis that you created in your life and you know God has forgiven you, it's under the blood, stop dwelling on the crisis. Start looking at yourself and say, I am forgiven. I am whole. I am as white as snow that thing doesn't intimidate me anymore I'm a woman of God I'm a man of God I'm stretching out I'm believing God for more you're going to get your words powerful faith lives in the generations Abram is looking for children that's what he's looking for God I need some kids I need some children but God is looking for children's 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 children. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and He's the God of generations. God says, he says in verse 7, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings and the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. God is declaring to Abraham, Abraham, what is in you is bigger than you. You have a son in you. That's what's in you. But what's coming out of you is generations. What's coming out of you is multitudes. And not just for the immediate, but generational. As a church, we want to be thinking generationally. We have a school, Word of Life Christian Academy. It's our opportunity to be able to raise up young men and women academically strong in an environment of faith, in an environment of godliness, in an environment where the Bible is taught. We, we have a school here. We have close to 200 students. We're enrolling for next year. We have great leadership in our school. I'm, I'm actively involved every week with our principal steering the direction of Word of Life Christian Academy. And again, I see hundreds. I, where we're at right now is just a starting block. God's going to add students. Our school is going to grow. Our school is going to be blessed. Our teachers are going to be rewarded. We're going to see expansion. We're going to raise up men and women out of our school that are going to go into Bible college and plant churches all around the world. We're going to raise up men and women in our school that are going to lead in government. We're raising up leaders. We're raising up people of faith. You'll see in the, the lobby today, you're going to find out there some uh, displays from our science fair. And, and, and some of our principals are going to be out there. Tracy, who leads our elementary, Edwin, who's over the whole school, are going to be out there. They have some information. And they did a science fair just the other, the other day. And we have some winners out. We did a math Olympics. The math Olympics. I should have gone and coached our students on the math Olympics. Should have done that because I won a fair few math Olympics as a kid. Not because I was smart. Well, technically, so I was smart. Not smart at math, just smart. Because it'd be like the teacher would be like, five times five. 
And little Johnny's hands, five times five misses, 25. And yeah, that's right. And I'd be saying, so I learned to do this. You go five times five. What was that, John Morgan? I believe the equation that you're going with right now is the number five, which is a prime number, multiplied by five. It's 25. I believe that you're looking for the number 25. I had to scam my way. Got it, but scammed. Maybe I have to do some training of our math Olympians. Run faster. Pick up that number five. Multiply five. But they won the math Olympic. So that's out there today. I totally distracted myself from that. <laughs> but go out there, check that out. We, we are a church of generations. We're building for the generations. Everything that we're building right now is not for our comfort. It's for the generations that are coming after us. Why do we want to grow and see lives impacted? Not about us. It's about generations because the more people that get saved, the more lives that get turned around, the more lives that get turned around, the more lives of the future that are going to be impacted by godly men and women. We have a dream for the future. Everything that we're doing here, we, we, we get saved and it is a benefit to us, but, but our salvation is a bigger benefit than just us. When I got saved, it was a benefit to me and, and, and made my mum happy. And my life has been blessed because God reached in the midst of all my mess and saved me. But it's bigger than me. Because when I got saved, it meant that my children didn't have a dad that got drunk every day. It meant my children didn't have a dad that smoked two packets of cigarettes a day. It meant that my children didn't have a dad. And if I'd stayed on track with what I was like before I was saved, all these things were highly possible to be a reality. But God reached into my life. And God changed me. So the blessing of my salvation just doesn't pay out to me, but it pays out to my children. And now my grandsons are going to live in the blessing of their grandfather because God reached into his life years ago and saved him. Your salvation is not just about you, but it's about bringing blessing to people around you, blessing to the generations that are coming after you. Faith lives in a faith opportunity. Abraham is beyond his natural ability to bring the promise to pass. And then God ups the ante on the impossible. Genesis chapter 17, verse 11. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. At 75... God says, go. At 80, God says, look. At 85, God says, count. God says, nothing for 14 years. And then God says, cut. I don't know about you, but this is scary. No Novocaine. No antiseptic to stop the infection, no directions cut along the dotted line, nothing. Not even a scalpel. He's got, he's got like an old school knife. He has to do it himself, the ultimate DYI, just terrible. Now, being a man, 
just got to be honest with you. I think if I was God, I wouldn't have gone with that as a covenant. <laughs> I'd have gone with a shake of the hand or something like that, something a little bit. I've often wondered, was that the original plan? Was like, was that what God intended? I'm not sure if you've ever wondered this, but I was like, I wonder if this is what God intended. I wonder, maybe it went, maybe God got the angels around. He's like, gather around. And they're like, coming in, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And God's like, I have an idea. This is what I'm thinking. I want my people, the Hebrews, the Jewish people, Israel. I want them to stand out of the crowd. When they're walking down the street, I want people to look at them. And I want them to say, that's a Hebrew. That's a child of God. So this is what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about snapbacks. I'm thinking about caps. I'm thinking about lids. This is what I'm thinking about doing. And, 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 and on there, we could do all sorts of things. You could, have, you could embroider it like the tribe of, of Benjamin. You could, you could have another one with the tribe of, of, of Levi. You could, you could even have the tribe of Judah. You could identify who they are, and you could see them with the snapback, with the lid. Angels are like, God, that's genius. No wonder you created the whole world. He's like, yeah, well, I know these things haven't been slated to be invented for a couple of thousand years yet. But I thought I'd jump the gun. We'll invent them now. My people will be ahead of everybody. And the angels are like, that's why you're God. So God goes to Abraham. Abraham. He's like, yeah? Huh? Abraham. What? Abraham. No, no, no. I don't eat any ham. (laughs) Abraham, it's God. Who? God. Who? God. Sorry, don't know a Bob. Never met a Bob. Abraham, I need the circumference of your forehead. The what? The circumference of your forehead. You want to circumcise my foreskin? God's like, no, that wasn't the plan, but that sounds funny. I, 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 can, I can imagine Abraham thinking when God tells him that. He's like, how? Wow. Wow. Ow. Ow, now? <laughs> Can we wait another 14 years? Because <laughs> God generally tends to respond like he shows mercy to the merciful. How you judge, you're judged. I just wonder if this is in God's sense of humor because both Abram and Sarah laughed when they were told they're going to have a baby. And maybe God thought, I need to laugh. Circumcise yourself. <laughs> But here's what God does. God says, life is going to come out of you, even though everything is dead. But let's make it a little bit more impossible. Let's let you make a covenant in the area that you need to be able to make this promise come to pass. Let's add an extra degree of difficulty. Abraham's body is dead. Sarah's body is dead. The promise is 25 years old. And God says to him, let's add the degree of difficulty. Now, God says, I know you can father a child because you have Ishmael. So I know that's possible. But let's, let's remove you out of the equation. Let's up the ante. Let's make this thing a little bit more difficult. And so God turns this difficulty into faith boldness and then turns it into a covenant. This right now, this difficult step, this challenging step, it's going to be a covenant. It's going to be a promise between you and me. And the promise still lasts today. If you are willing to do the difficult, God is willing to do the impossible. 
If you will stretch out with the difficult, God is willing to do the impossible. On Wednesday night, Pastor Matt Jones was here and preached a phenomenal message on need. And it was a prophetic and timely message for our church because I believe that God wants you and I to consistently create areas of need, pockets of need, areas where we need God to be able to move. In the book of Genesis chapter 26, we see that Isaac, Abram's son, is out there and they have need of water. So they start digging wells. They make holes. They start making areas where, God, you've got to fill this with water. And then God would fill it with water and somebody else would take it. They dig another well, fills it with water, somebody else would take it. And eventually they dug a well, God filled it with water and it sustained them. You've got to keep digging wells. You've got to keep making opportunities for God to fill. As a church, we're not going to settle. We're not going to settle back on what we have. We're always going to keep our focus on what God wants us to have in the future. We're going to dig wells. The prophet Elisha had an issue with a widow. She was broke, needed money. And God says, get an empty vessel, bring it in. She brought the empty vessel in. He filled it with oil. Go and sell it. You want more? Bring an empty vessel in, fill it with oil. Go and sell it. Bring an empty vessel in, fill it with oil. When did the oil stop flowing? when the vessels stopped being created. As soon as she stopped bringing in vessels, the oil dried up. I'm here to tell you today, word of life, if you and I, if you and I stopped bringing vessels into the house of God, the oil would dry up. If we stopped creating opportunities, the oil would dry up. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. God did not stop doing miracles in the New Testament. That's when God, God didn't, when the New Testament closed, God didn't stop doing the miracles. They stop at the conclusion of our need. As soon as you don't have any need, then the miracles would stop. They stop at the conclusion of our faith. As long as you've got faith, God can bring the miracles. They stop at the conclusion of our expectation. So we've got to keep our expectation high and our faith high and our belief high and keep bringing the oils in. God, what do we need to do next? In May this year, we're taking up our Heart for the House offering. We're creating an opportunity for people to give, to create need, to sow seed into a vision. We're going to renovate uh, our children's auditorium. We're going to bring, build their four translation booths up here. You can't see them because they don't exist, but they're there in faith. Four translation booths. We'll be able to translate the 9.30 service, four different languages. The 11.30 service in four different languages. Our our faith is going to be building those things and we're going to stir up our... We're giving notice now so we can start praying about what we should do because the Bible's pretty clear. If you think about it, you never give out of obligation. If you think about it, you can give in faith. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as as we go on. But we're launching that today, our Heart for the House campaign, as we're believing in May to receive an offering that's going to bless our children's ministry. Our children's ministry needs massive renovations. So we are creating a need for God to fill. We are declaring that we are advancing and we are not settling. We are declaring that we are leaning in and we're not laying back. We are declaring that we are refiring and we're not retiring. We are 
We are declaring that we're laying hold and we're not letting go. We are declaring that we are focused on coming generations and not the legacy of our ancestors. We are looking towards the future and believing God for the impossible. We are playing in faith. We are not playing it safe. We are children of God that are reaching out into the invisible and asking God to do what we haven't seen done, but we believe that God can do. Is there anybody in the house today excited about God using you, God raising you up? We move out in faith, not by fear. This is how God rolls with us. And so we're believing and we're dreaming and we're asking God. Some of you that feel like, man, God hasn't used me for a long time. And you've packed up your bags of ministry life and gone home and you are a church attender. So you come on Sunday and you faithfully attend church. I'm here to tell you it's great to have you attending church. We love you attending here. But God hasn't called you to be an attender. God has called you to be the church. He's called you to be the church. Be the church. In our Royal Rangers, we need men helping out in Royal Rangers. Don't we need men? And they don't all have to be young men. They can be older men, men of any shape, size, age, demographic. We need, we, we need people. We need, we need people in the lobby. We, we, we need people to help us build something that will glorify God and change a nation. Everyone's talking about how the church is shrinking. Let them talk about that. Don't let that be out of your mouth. Let's talk about people getting saved. Let's talk about lives being turned around. Let's talk about alcoholics not drinking again, chain smokers not smoking again, adulterers being pure and holy, people getting their life right with God, people that live in doubt will live in faith, people that live in fear will live in confidence, people that live with anxiety will live with expectation, people that are in depression will break depression of their lives and they live in the freedom and the liberty of God, that marriages would be restored, lives would be restored, ministries would be restored, hearts would be turned back to the fathers and the fathers back to their children growing up men of God who, who who lead in their family and love on their wives and love on their children women who are strong in their family love on their husbands and love on their children children that will love on their parents and honor their parents and walk in the ways of God we have a dream to see God do things that we've never seen before and I'm asking you word of life let's stand together in the principles and the power of God and believe God to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything that we could hope or think or we could dare to imagine. That's where we're heading. But I want to know this morning, where are you heading? Because you are the church. And for us, our church to come alive as a congregation, we need your life to come alive as a saint of God, as a Christian. What dreams have you let go of? You say, well, you prayed for those dreams last week. Okay, well, let's pray for them again. Well, you knocked on the door last week. Well, knock and keep on knocking. Remember the parable Jesus told about the person who kept up knocking? And the guy didn't answer the door because he wanted to? Like, this person is so aggravating. They won't, they won't let go. It has to be us. Haven't seen my miracle yet. 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 I wonder if that was Abram. I wonder if 25 years. Haven't seen my miracle yet. 
I haven't seen my miracle yet. I haven't seen my miracle yet. I haven't seen my miracle yet. I haven't got a bicycle yet. I, who knows? Knocking 25 years and God's like, I'm going to do it. Just keep knocking. Keep knocking. I'm going to answer. Keep asking. I'm going to do it. Keep seeing. Keep believing. Keep trusting. Don't, don't let go. I'm here today to stir up the dream that's within you. I don't know what dream is in you. I don't know what God had told you. I don't know what you've laid aside on the way. Maybe it's the salvation of a spouse. Maybe it's the salvation of a child. Maybe it's the salvation of a parent. Maybe it's the salvation of somebody at work. Maybe it's healing in your body. Maybe it's healing in a family member. Maybe it's healing in in somebody at work. Maybe it's healing physically in your body or healing in, in your emotions. I don't know, but you have a dream. If you are honest with me, you'd say, John, there's a promise. There's a dream. I love what Paul wrote to Timothy. And Paul wrote to Timothy and said, keep fighting the faith. Keep fighting the fight of faith through the promises, through the prophecies made concerning you. Stir up the gift that's within you and remind yourself and remind heaven, God said it. I believe it. It's going to happen. No ifs, buts, but maybes. But if God said it, it's going to happen.